I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 119. As we tonight come to the last of the uh, eight verse sections of this psalm. And we will begin at verse 169 and read through 170. Boy, that print is small. Nine. I may be reading it wrong, but uh, I may need to get reading glasses or something. But let's, uh, let's turn to the Lord uh, in uh, prayer and ask his blessing upon his word read and preached. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this uh, section that we will consider tonight from your word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct the one who preaches, that you would give me uh, utterance, and I might be able to uh, preach your word faithfully. And Lord, we ask for your spirit to apply it in our hearts, that we would rightly worship you even as we hear this word, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear the word of God. The psalmist says, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word. For all your commandments are right. Let your word be ready, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules or or your rules or judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So ends the reading of God's word. As we come to the close of this psalm, Psalm 119, uh, we are reminded that uh, God's people are to be a people of the word of God. And if there's one thing that we've been encouraged uh, to be and to do is to uh, be men and women and children who are reading and meditating on the revelation that God has given to us of himself. At the time that this psalm was written, it was uh, written uh, by uh, uh, the king, uh, uh, King David, and it is a psalm expressing the, uh, the, uh, his own desire to follow God's commands in being a godly king. And uh, the kings of Israel were to be uh, those who uh, meditated upon and, and uh, delighted in and used the word of God and made judgments according to the word of God as they ruled. And uh, so the, the king uh, d- expresses this love for the word of God. And so we also, as a people of God, to love 
God's word, to love God's law. And in reference to the law of God, we desire to uh, meditate upon it and to uh, live by it, not because it is a covenant of works that we would be justified by keeping it, because Christ has come and he's fulfilled the covenant of works for us, and uh, we are justified by him. But now that we have been justified, our desire then is to live under the teaching of the word of God because the law is God's fatherly teaching showing us how we are to live in this world. It lights up our paths in a dark world. And in the world to come, uh, we will be perfectly conformed to the word of God. And uh, in this life in which we uh, live as redeemed sinners, uh, the word of God is that which gives us guidance and which uh, forms us in our worship. Uh, I'd like to take this particular section and organize it around the theme of the worship of God. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we see that uh, in the first two verses, uh, this the cry of the psalmist comes before the Lord. He says, let my cry come before you. And you notice also in 170, let my plea come before you. And I took that phrase, uh, noticing that phrase, come before the Lord, come before you, as, a, as, a, uh, as, as a, a theme for these verses, that the word of God is that which uh, teaches us and guides us and tells us how we are to come before the Lord. The word of God is uh, the uh, teaches us everything that we need to know in terms of what we are to believe about God and the duty that he requires of us. But uh, we particularly believe and understand that God's word is given to us to guide us and to be a rule in our worship. So this evening as we come to these verses, let's consider them under this this uh, overarching concept of the worship of God. The worship of God is our highest end. It's that which we are created for. It is, God made us, even in the very beginning uh, when he created Adam and Eve, he, he made them that they would live forever in fellowship with him and that they would worship him as their creator and that they would know him as uh, their blessedness and reward, and that uh, they would be engaged in constant praise and worship of God. And so the first thing that we want to see then is that the word of God is the rule or the guide in our worship of God. And it is that uh, rule in that it shows us how we are admitted into the presence of God. That's the first thing that we're going to notice. And then secondly, it shows us how we are to sing God's praise 
And thirdly, it shows us how we who are lost are found by our heavenly good shepherd. And so the first thing then, the word of God is our rule for worship in that it tells us how we may be admitted into the near presence of God. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Let my plea come before you. And so from this we get this idea that to come before the Lord is to enter into his near presence. And it is to voice our cries before him as we enter his presence. The word come before you is actually in the Hebrew a technical word for the act of coming to present an offering before the Lord. So when we come before the Lord in our private uh, daily worship and as we come before him in public worship, we come to offer to him a sacrifice, to offer to him our very lives, and it is to enter into his very presence, to gain admittance into his courts. I wonder if you think about worship that way, uh, even in your private prayers and your worship of God privately, that what are we doing? We're entering into the very courts of God. Let my cry come before you. Let it come into your very presence. And uh, he acknowledges that uh, he needs for the Lord to let him enter his presence. It's not assumed. It's not not something that is taken nonchalant, not in a nonchalant way. It's, it's, Lord, receive my plea, receive my cry, let me come into your presence. He acknowledges that God is infinite in his holiness and that he is a sinful creature and that he needs God to admit him into his courts. He stops and he knocks, and he asks to be admitted. Um, I, if you go to someone's house that you know, uh, even a, a family member, perhaps, um, you may be assured that you have a, a welcome entrance because you know this person. And so it is with the Lord. We know the Lord uh, in uh, intimate relationship of love and we are we know that we have a welcome into his presence he is our heavenly father and yet when we come to worship we seek admittance into his courts we we as it were don't just uh, barge in without thinking um, but we seek for him to let us come near before him and we need to do this because we are ignorant. We need uh, to come in knowledge. He says, give me understanding according to your word. 
the whole of the Bible might be described as uh, the revelation of the way in which Israel in the Old Covenant and the people of God in the New Covenant have admittance into the presence of God. Uh, Israel uh, having the sacrificial system um, and the priesthood and uh, entrance into the court through the shedding of blood at the altar and the offering of that blood of the, 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 the dying uh, animal in the place of the one who comes, pointing to the fact that admittance into the very presence of God is revealed in the new covenant to be in and through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. How do we come into the presence of God? We come boldly into the presence of God because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us, that his blood was shed, that we might have entrance into his presence. And so there's a need to enter with knowledge, a knowledge of God's plan of redemption, God's way of opening the the way for us to come into his presence. He's aware, the psalmist is, of his need to be delivered. In the psalm, in verse 170, deliver me according to your word. He's conscious of the fact that he he faces enemies that are stronger than he, and he needs the Lord to come and to rescue him, or he will perish if he is left alone. How we need uh, to be rescued, how we are those who uh, will perish on our own. Uh, we need the, uh, the salvation of the Lord. We need our sin to be forgiven. We need the power of sin in our hearts to be broken. And we need God's grace that we would be inclined more and more to, uh, be, to live in conformity to his word. So that's the first thing. The psalmist uh, sees that the word of God is a rule for our worship and that it tells us how we may be admitted into the very presence of God. But the second thing that we see is that by the word of God, we learn how to sing God's praise. And uh, in verses 171 and 172, we read, My lips will pour forth your praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. In these two verses, we learn what it is we do when we come and before the near presence of God on the basis of of his redeeming work for us in Christ. We sing. And what he prays particularly is that he would be able to come and pour forth praise. And the uh, language there, pour forth, is the language of, of, of that which bubbles up within, that which is within him that finds its, uh, its outlet through his lips, his tongue. And as he praises God, It comes bubbling up from within him, and he wants that worship, therefore, to be whole-souled 
He wants to express praise to God that is sincere, that is coming from within the deepest recesses of his being and is being poured out through his lips and his tongue, that he wants to sing God's word. Now, in 172, the language there is, he says that uh, the ESV translates it, sing of your word. But it could also be translated, my tongue will sing your word, for all your commandments are right. And uh, and, and it's, it's striking to me that the saints love to sing of the mighty acts of God revealed in Scripture. What do we sing about when we sing? We don't sing about our own uh, emotional uh, experiences. We don't sing about uh, the, uh, the things that have to do with us privately in our own private lives. But what we sing is we sing the praises of God in his redeeming work for us uh, in Christ Jesus, and that is that, that work which is a pub- publicly done, the mighty acts of God uh, for re- the redemption of his people. And so we sing God's word. We ought to be singing God's word in our, uh, as we express ourselves to God. And more and more, I think, uh, people are realizing the need to uh, sing actually Uh, the psalms themselves and uh, the fact that the psalms express the the very way in which God would have us to praise him. And when he does that, he has others in view as well. Because not only do we sing to the Lord, but we sing in such a way that singing about the, the, the work of God in our redemption, we sing in such a way that we encourage and admonish one another. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, Be not drunk with wine, but address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What's striking about that is he says that we are to make melody to the Lord with our hearts, but he says we are also addressing one another. And uh, when we are gathered in public worship, we are... Uh, as it were, telling uh, the mighty acts of God. We are singing the word of God and his commandments that are righteous for the edification and for the help of one another. The heart is the instrument that sings, and the tongue is that which makes the sound. And he wishes for himself that he would be able to rightly express his gratitude to God uh, for, uh, our, for what God has uh, done for him and is doing for him. We come thirdly then to consider that the word of God is that by which the lost are found and brought safely home by the one who is the good shepherd. I'm combining here verses 173 through 176. He says, let your hand be ready to help. What is the hand? The hand is the instrument of God's power. So what he is expressing is that he can't uh, worship without the help of God. Let your hand be ready to help. Help me. 
He is expressing his need for God's help. He says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. He longs for the completion of that which God has begun in him. I long for your salvation. He says, let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules help me. And then in verse 176, we have this um, uh, wonderful verse, uh, the closing verse of this long psalm. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. As the Bible refers to the hand of God and The psalmist expresses his need for the power or the arm of God to work mightily on his behalf. So he expresses his need. He says, I am a wandering sheep. Seek your servant. This is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. I am a wandering sheep. Seek your servant. He describes himself as he is apart from the grace of God. I am a wandering sheep. He is poor. He's lost. He's weak. He's sinful. He's a sheep that is prone to wander from the fold. And yet he expresses that he is God's servant. While he says, on the one hand, he says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. Seek your servant. I've gone astray like a lost sheep, but I am your servant still. So he's not speaking as one who is outside of grace. He's speaking of one who knows himself to be the Lord's servant and to love the law of God, and to love God. And he is asking that the Lord would continually be the shepherd who seeks him out. Meaning of these verses is well expressed by these words written by Richard Mant. Though like a sheep estranged I stray, Yet have I not renounced thy way, thine hand extend, thine own reclaim. Grant me to live and praise your name. To live is to praise. And he says, extend, thine hand extend, thine own reclaim. Grant me to live and praise thy name. Or as another hymn that is familiar to us, uh, says, O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here is my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts. Above, we are in ourselves prone to wander. And the beautiful picture of God acting 
And this is, this is where we, this is where I call upon you to call upon him to act in such a way that he will be a shepherd that seeks you out. Ezekiel 34 well expresses this beautifully. For thus says the Lord, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I will restore them from all the places where they have been scattered on a cloud, on a day of clouds in thick darkness. And the emphasis in this Ezekiel 34 is on the Lord as the shepherd where he says, I will myself seek my lost sheep. And that's a reference to the fact that the kings of Israel did not do it and uh, led the people into idolatry and uh, as a consequence of it led them into many dark clouds and thick darkness but God here promises that he is the one who will seek his own strayed sheep what was it that Jesus came to do Jesus said the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost Martin Luther said of these verses, this verse, he said, this verse is extremely emotional. It is full of tears. For truly we are all thus going astray so that we must pray. We must pray to be visited, sought, and carried over by our most godly shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah beautifully expresses this when he says, when the Lord says to Israel in captivity, he says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth. Born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save. Those are words that we desperately need to know and to hear. In our weakness, in our sinfulness, when we cry out to God, Lord, I'm a lost sheep. I need you to seek me and do not ever stop. You who have borne me before my birth. You who have carried me from the womb. You who even have promised to carry me to my old age. Be that one who will bear and who will carry and who will save. And so when the psalmist is praying and longing for the salvation of God, this is what he's praying for. That God would, by his almighty grace, 
not only provide the sacrifice that gives him admittance into the very presence and the very near fellowship and communion with God, that God would by his almighty grace continue to seek him through every pathway of life, every struggle that I am faced with, every point at which I feel that I've lost all hope, every time I am tempted to wander and to leave the fold, that, Lord, do not let that happen. Seek me out. Come and seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Consider even the power of death itself. The very last, final, the final journey of death itself. And even here, we see the power of the Good Shepherd. For he himself has died. He himself is risen. And he himself is carrying and saving. He is the one who has conquered death and will bring us through it as well. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead them that are with young, says the prophet Isaiah. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, even in the grave. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. Life. Eternal life. You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The psalmist knew this. The psalmist knew this. And this is why persistently throughout the psalm he prays for the Lord to give him life. And he prays here, most wonderfully at the very end, that the Lord would pursue him through every avenue of life and bring him safely home. May it be that you also will call out to the Lord, Lord, seek me. Lord, be my shepherd and bring me home.